In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Make the world go away. Get it off my shoulder. Say the things we used to say and make the world go away. These are words sung by Elvis Presley in 1970, and he's lamenting lost love, but I wonder if you can't relate. It's been another tough week. The good feeling, the hope, and the optimism that many of us had greeted the new year with feels like it's been squashed in yet another mess of terrible, frightful, disturbing headlines. Just last week, everyone I know was talking about how 2020 is finally behind us and let the future come, let 2021 uh, uh, take over. Well, just in case you thought 2021 was going to be any better, well, think again. Quite a rude awakening. Makes a person want to hightail it to Mexico. Because, of course, we can't make the world go away. Mainly because we can't make ourselves go away. The problem with 2021 is that we're still here. I always remember the Onion's headline, man thinking about just packing up and making exact same mistakes someplace far away. This idea that we would magically be different, that the world would magically be different when the calendar changes, well, it's tempting, it's alluring, but of course, it's, it's as problematic as they say today. So how then do we conceive of a new year? Are you, are you telling us just to, just to write it off as an arbitrary designation and fall back into cynicism or despair? I mean, aren't we all starving for some hope that's impervious to the ups and downs of the news cycle or the, the rage and the violence that we see manifest around us? Aren't we all dying for some security and peace? There is nothing wrong with seeing the new year as an opportunity for something different. But in today's passage from Acts, I was struck by the fact that we, we see two approaches to, 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 to life or to consolation uh, that are not opposed, but complement each other and contrast with one another quite well, and maybe have something to say to us today as we try to approach life in a fresh way. Well, what's happening is Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in Ephesus. This would have been a city, and then it would have been Greece. Today, it would be modern-day Turkey. And when he's there, he runs into some disciples, um, but they're disciples of John the Baptist. Now, this is unexpected because this is probably at least 30 years on from John the Baptist's ministry that we've read about. And it's not only that, it's far, far away. Uh, John the Baptist's ministry took place outside Jerusalem, which is in Israel, and here you are in Greece. How did these disciples uh, who have been following John the Baptist the whole time, how did they get there? Well, I don't know how they got there. But I know what it means when they say that they were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul spells it out. You see, the gospel reading today tells us that John's baptism was a very popular one. It says all of Jerusalem went out to get what John was offering, which was a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. 
What on earth does that mean? Well, it means that people in Jerusalem at that time were dissatisfied, deeply dissatisfied with the world and with themselves. And so they went out to the desert to make a public proclamation that they were turning over a new leaf. You see, everyone, it turns out, has some things about their lives, to say nothing of the world, that they would like to change. Pain, difficulty, is what takes a person out to the desert, what leads a person to want to change. And not only that, but the promise of a new life, a second chance. That's what is so popular here. And this is what's going on when they say it's a baptism of repentance. People would confess what, was, what they were carrying and what they wanted to change, how they were wanted to turn away from something into something new, and then they were you know, sprinkled or dunked or who knows what was going on, but water was involved. Now, the holidays for many of us uh, combined with the pandemic, I think, are, are a time when a lot of people are actually sort of taking an inventory of both their life and themselves and the world. They're asking themselves, is this the life I want? Uh, is this the place I want to be? Uh, is this the, or am I living the values that are important to me? Well, uh, the response to those questions has been that I think an extra number of us are looking to make a change with the new year. We call these New Year's resolutions, and uh, as easy as it is to make fun of them, I think that they should be lauded to the extent that they are an expression of hope and repentance, a desire to change, well, then perhaps they should be celebrated because there is so much to repent for. I know you know what, what, what the person who you live with should repent for, but, but if you've run out of things within your own life that, don't need, that need to be changed, well, well, I'm sure they would be happy to fill you in as well. And yet, what is it that they say? They say New Year's resolutions is really just a to-do list for the first week of January. They don't seem to last. We think this time will be different, this year will be different. But the starting point for the consolation that we're after, the hope that we're after, unfortunately tends to be human resolve. Just like it was in John the Baptist's time. It is a confession of sin, however heartfelt, that leans on the person to change. And to that extent, we're bound for disappointment. In his book on apologetic, Francis Spufford talks about this. He says, a, a consolation that you could believe in would be one that didn't depend on some tacky fantasy about ourselves and therefore wasn't in danger of popping like a soap bubble upon contact with the ordinary truths about us whatever they turned out to be, good, bad, and indifferent. A consolation you could trust would be one that acknowledged the difficult stuff rather than being in flight from it and then found you grounds for hope in spite of it or even because of it. Well, back to Ephesus. These, these disciples, well, they've been living there this entire time waiting for the one that John told them about who was Jesus. In other words, they're waiting for a fuller understanding of what God was doing in their lives. They were waiting for their hope to be made complete. No doubt, they felt like they'd been forgotten. They'd been ignored. Had they become a footnote? Had they been exiled? Had they lost the plot? Did all that stuff that happened at the River Jordan, did it really happen at all? 
Well, Paul is eager to bring these disciples something better. And what he wants to bring them is baptism in Jesus' name, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which has as its, as its starting point a completely different uh, uh, agency, which is God's agency, not our resolve, but God's resolve. You see, when Paul is talking about receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in Jesus' name, the, what he's referring to is Jesus' baptism itself, which we heard about in today's gospel passage. What happens at Christ's baptism? Well, he goes into the water with John, and he is, he is, he is, he is cleansed even though he was sinless. But what we hear is that a dove descends, the heavens break open, and a voice is heard saying, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. This baptism has as its uh, culmination a pronouncement of complete and total love, approval, and security. And it's this blessing which inaugurates rather than eulogizes Jesus' ministry. You see, the approval comes first before the temptations in the desert, before the miracles in Galilee, before the trials in Jerusalem. It's that assurance which precedes, which is the starting point for an approach to ministry and life that uh, marks Christ's, uh, the gospel accounts. In other words, Christ did not spend his ministry chasing after assurance or forcing the world to give it to him through, through leverage and through manipulation and maybe even through, through, through force. That assurance, that peace, that security, it was his from the beginning. And this is no coincidence. You see, because he already had that assurance, well, then he was free to give of himself. He was free to love other people, independent of their response. He was free to love and to care for even those who hated him because nothing could be taken from him that he didn't already have. The same is true for us today. And when it comes to the way we approach life, when it way we approach change, when it way we approach consolation, this is an essential shift. A friend of mine spelled it out this way. He, he says that in 2018, he brought, bought a new car with a bumper-to-bumper -bumper warranty. You know the kind of warranty. It covers everything but tires and windshield wipers. And so when he's driving this car, he noticed that the second that the check engine light comes on, boom, he's at the dealership. He doesn't hesitate for a second. He wants to get it checked out. He wants to make sure that it's all fine, it's all good. But he also remembers that he used to have a 2007 Honda Pilot. And when that check engine light went on, he would go for 30 days at a time. More than that, he think he basically said that he went six months one time with the check engine light on. You see, because it was his uh, uh, livelihood, his wallet that was up for grabs here, he said, I would do anything I could to avoid facing the problem. I was afraid of how much it would cost, of what a hassle it would be, how it would impact my schedule not to have the car with me. And, of course, how foolish I would look when they told me that I really just needed to be topped off in the coolant department. 
And what he's saying here is the difference between the baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One that, uh, in which belovedness comes first and security is promised at the outset versus one in which it comes at the end. In, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a saying, the saying that people only change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Well, another way to put that in the terms we're talking about today of warranties is that people only get better when they no longer feel they have to in order to be loved. So come to find out that it took a long time, but God did not abandon those disciples in Ephesus to their own resolve and their own repentance, their own discernment of what, in fact, they even needed to repent for. And he hasn't abandoned you to it either. Not in 2020 and not in 2021. So if you feel like you're waiting to see what God is up to, well, look again. Look again to the heavens. Look again to the sky. Look again to your baptism. Those who are baptized in Jesus' name means that God has spoken to them, to you, in the same way he did to his own son, which is to say, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. That pronouncement That security is our starting point. It comes before our strivings and successes and failures, not after them. It cannot be shaken or undermined by headlines. It is the location, the bedrock of our peace. Our peace does not reside in the world or in the calendar, but in the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll note that this pronouncement often does something funny. You see, it does not make the world go away. Instead, like Jesus, the Holy Spirit throws us back into the world where we are free to love it as it is rather than as we would have it be, which is to say without delusion but also without fear, to love, to serve, to console with hope. The same hope that we read about so beautifully in the great serenity prayer written by Reinhold Niebuhr, which I'll say to close, the entire thing, the original first draft. So let us pray. God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things we cannot, that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, trusting that you will make all things right as we surrender to your will so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.